all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MBB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy, where the doctor's always in. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at UMMC. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. We are looking forward to hearing from you this morning. That's right. We want you to call in with those questions that you might have about your health or the health of someone that you love. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or perhaps you'd like to send an email to us. You can do that by sending it to remedy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning on this wonderful spring day in... Uh yeah, we're still in March. I almost went to April there for a second. I guess I'm looking forward to it as you are, too. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And you have reached Southern Remedy, the radio program where you can call in with any kind of topic that you might have today. We have other theme shows during the week, and sometimes they have certain things that they want to focus on. Sometimes they have an expert on there. We all have experts that uh, that have volunteered their time to come and talk to you every day at 11 o'clock on all the Southern Remedy series. But today is Wednesday. That means it's wide open for any type of question that you might have. Maybe it's that medication your doctor said, here, take this, and you didn't really know why, and maybe you're having some problems with it. This is a chance for you to ask those questions. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you just hadn't quite got uh, wrapped around your mind what's going on. Maybe a couple of people have taken a stab at it. Or maybe it's something that you've already been diagnosed with and you just want to know more about it. Those are all things that uh, you can take the opportunity to call in and get some free advice today. Uh, we're going to try to steer you in the right direction and help you. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or maybe you want to email us. Maybe it's a little bit longer uh, question that you have, and uh, we're going to try to to um, in in uh, future programs. Every once in a while, we'll be have one where we just uh, focus on those emails. But you can always email us at any time uh, during the air or afterwards uh, at remedy at mpbonline dot org. So a couple of weeks I hadn't been live here. One of the weeks I had vacation and I uh, got to go down to, I had a uh, chance to go down to Florida and uh, have fun with my family and 
Always a good thing to do with them and uh, sort of de-stress and be together. Man, so many ways that we're pulled apart with activities, even when we're together with, you know, phones and all kinds of electronic means. So it's always a good time to reconnect with your family. I encourage each and every one of you to do that uh, if you can. And uh, and then last week, like many of you, I am struggling with all of this yellow haze that is uh, descended on us uh, like a great big uh, octopus is what I'm envisioning, I guess. But um, yeah, recovering from that, couldn't really talk last week, so I wouldn't have been much help to anybody if they had called in. Uh, but uh, getting much better there. That's one of the big questions we have right now is, what can you do when you have allergies, particularly in the springtime or other parts of the year, if there's seasonal allergies that are triggered by some of the things that we're experiencing right now? It's tree pollen. That's the big stuff. You can see the yellow things, but there's other types of pollens that are out there that you can't see. Lots of different tree species that make this, and it's uh, spread not by insects so much, but by the air. So it blows around so that these seeds, uh, so that the trees can produce their their seeds, whether that's an acorn, if you're an oak tree, or if that's, you know, pine, pine combs produce those seeds too, lots of other aerial born seeds after they're uh, pollinated. But it can cause a lot of havoc. And the, the best thing, of course, my allergist used to tell me this all the time is, you know, if you move to a different place, that can alleviate those symptoms. If you stay in that place, you can develop them after one to two years, though. So after you've been exposed to them for a while, so you sort of have to move around to get away from it. But most of us can't do that. So avoidance is not as easy. Even if you're inside all the time and you have all kinds of fancy filtration, I know we get the, the, you know, the upper quality filters in our central air uh, system return in our house, but uh, even then, you know, just because of how small these particles are, you can be exposed to them. Certainly, you can't stay in the house all the time for most people. So, going in and outside, you're going to be exposed. Lots of other medications and other things. I, one of the most simple things you can do is a nasal saline wash. And this isn't just the nasal spray, but this is sort of a higher volume wash. There's lots of over-the-counter ones that you can get at any of the pharmacies. A neti pod is one of the same things you can get. And if you get distilled water, put a little bit of saline solution in there. That's a little bit of salt. Uh, and then squirt that in the nose to sort of wash all that stuff off. That's probably the, the best thing you can do. And then sometimes you can combine it with other over-the-counter remedies like antihistamines, Allegra, Claritin, Zyrtec, and their sort of components, uh, the generic components. You can try some of those. Benadryl, if it's just sort of spot treatment, although that doesn't last too long. And then nasal steroids, which are not something that you absorb a lot of the steroid. You can use those uh, in the nose. All those things are over-the-counter and sort of a first-line uh, um, um, uh, defense against all this uh, pollen that we're experiencing. But sometimes you have to step it up, which is what I had to do last week. Even doctors get sick sometimes. So I want to want to lead out by example there. Uh, the number to call if you have a question about your health this morning is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to our first caller, who is Roger in Florence. Good morning, Roger. Good morning. Thanks for what you do over and over. Thank oh, you. sure. Thank you. Thank you. This is a, maybe a unique call. I don't know, but this is every everything, every subject. Today, so uh, I want to know what the name of a uh, item is that you used to be able to buy a solid stick 
of anti-blood uh, bleeding in case you nick yourself shaving. Uh, can you just buy them at a drugstore? And is that a good thing to do if you uh, nick yourself shaving or you pick a, um, a, a place on your face or something and it just keeps bleeding? So that's the subject, and, and and what that object is that you used to be able to buy, I guess you can still buy them, uh, shaving sticks, I think they used to call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. That's going to happen to all of us, and in particular, if you're already on a type of blood thinner, whether that's aspirin or whether you're on some other blood thinners, you can bleed a lot. And, you know, the the older things you can get, uh, certainly they would be, you just write, it was like a little stick, and you would just rub it on the place or just dab it on the place that you nicked. And it wasn't for big cuts. I mean, if you had a big gash, if you cut yourself outside, if you were... You know, <clears throat> I had some sharp objects that you were working in the yard or something like that. That's not necessarily for that. But those small nicks that just bleed and bleed and bleed. A lot of that, um, it's basically something to plug up that initial cl- uh, bleed in those capillaries so that your body's system can can get to work on plugging that. And you need to know a little bit before I, I go to, like, what you can buy over the counter because some of that stuff has changed over the years. What has to happen first is the first thing when you have a cut, the first thing that moves in are platelets. So platelets are components of your blood. There's three main components of your blood uh, made from cells. So one is a white blood cell. Those are the cells that help fight off infection. Red blood cells carry the oxygen to different places in our body. And then platelets. So platelets are produced by granulocytes. That's a type of cell in the blood. It's made in the, in the uh, bone marrow. And then they, they divide up, like pieces of the cell uh, actually break off, and those are the platelets. The platelets, when they sense there's different signaling mechanisms that you have a hole or you know you had a cut that's opened up an area where you're bleeding, they rush in there and they plug that. But they don't stay. They can't stay there forever. So what happens then is they're sort of cross-linked. So if you were, if you think about a wall, uh, you could think about platelets as being maybe the cinder blocks. If you were going to repair a big hole in a wall and you place them in place, but you got to have mortar to uh, to really anchor them in against that pressure of the blood pushing against them. So then you have some some cross-linking of different things. There's a coagulation pathway of all these different factors, really complex, really cool mechanisms. Well, what you're doing on the outside is you're sort of augmenting that. So you're creating this barrier, and this is why direct pressure over a wound works, because you're basically helping in, in buying some time while those platelets on the inside can start to plug the hole. You can get that cross-linking, which happens within a couple of minutes. Um, the problem you have, you know, a lot of people will see that little cut, particularly if you're shaving. I do this all the time. What do you want to do? You want to grab something, a towel or a piece of toilet paper or whatever, and wipe it off. Well, what happens when you wipe it off is you take those platelets that have plugged the hole and you just, you they attach to that whatever piece of, of what you're wiping it off, and then they have to plug some more. So that's why it re-bleeds. Those little things that you could stick on your face, some of them had sort of collagen or those sort of cross-linking proteins that sort of did the same thing from the outside that they were doing on the inside. But honestly, you could use anything that's going to plug that hole. You can use chapstick. You can use wax. You can use Vaseline even. If you just dab it over there and leave it for a couple of minutes until they can get that cross-linking on the inside. If you're on blood thinners, give it.
give it a little bit more time, maybe five minutes or so, uh, as long as you can leave it on there. And then you can gently wipe that off later. But you don't even have to buy anything really fancy. I mean, Vaseline actually works pretty well. Hold pressure first, though. Even like just putting your finger over wherever's bleeding, if it's a small cut, can help out with that direct pressure while those platelets are being cross-linked on the inside. So uh, that's, and I can't remember offhand, as I've been talking, I've been trying to remember, you know, the name of some of those, uh, of those things. Stick, what, I, what's that, Kevin? Steptic pencil. Yeah, there's, there's lots of different names of them. I've seen different brands out there, but basically they're all doing the same thing. It's just creating a barrier over the outside until that gets cross-linked on the inside. Thank you. All right, Roger. Good luck. Don't cut yourself so much. All right, the common thing, yeah, that uh, everybody uh, deals with. But a lot of people just wipe it off. When you wipe it off, you destroy that platelet plug. It doesn't really work that well. Now, certainly, you know, Roger sort of alluded to this, too. Sometimes you can get that plug or a little scab, and what happens when that thing contracts is it starts to itch, right? So it releases histamine and a couple other substances. And your, your initial reaction is to scratch that. And then when you, of course, if you scratch that off too vigorously, a lot of people do this in their sleep and, you know, they had a little cut and they had a scab on it and they scratched it off, it rebled again. Uh, Those things just take time to heal. And if you can cover them up with a Band-Aid, even better, just because you're not able to, to scratch that thing off. This is Southern Remedy, and I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning answering your questions that you might have about cuts or anything else. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to take your calls. You can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven. 877 Ooh, I forgot to know. one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this. Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and uh, it's a beautiful day, albeit uh, lots of allergy stuff. I'm still coughing and hoarse over here, so bear with me today. I'm uh, suffering with you in the South. That's right. That's what we go through to enjoy the rest of our nice weather here in the South. So um, I got a great question earlier about cuts and want to be able to answer your questions that you might have um, about anything doesn't have to be about anything like bleeding, but certainly you can uh, you can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you'd like to send an email to us, you can send that to remedy at mpbonline.org. 
Ball pits. You ever taken your kid to a ball pit or you seen those at different places? I know High Heaven has that. It has all the different little plastic balls. A lot of fun. Like you can just, it's like quicksand, but bigger particles. Uh, and kids love it. So the question comes up, you know, how sanitary are those things? And I, no surprise, they're not. Uh, lots of things grow on solid surfaces and those little plastic balls can have all kinds of things. Kids sometimes sneeze, cough. Uh, put their hands all over themselves and and on all that stuff. Uh, And it's interesting, the last time I was at a place like that, I noticed that they did have the little alcohol, um, you know, dispensers right by it. And also they're starting to use these in pediatric uh, physical therapy. So they're not as deep, but it can help kids sort of regain a lot of their function. And uh, it's wonderful. It's sort of like sand therapy. So if you walk or stand in sand, when I had a complex ankle uh, injury, my physical therapist said, you know, I I would love to do this in sand because it's one of the best things to really work on your balance. However, back to ball pits, uh, it may not be the most sanitary thing. And if your child or if even if you're adult around those, you know, if your immune system's down for whatever reason, uh, you might want to wash your hands before uh, and after you get in there, particularly afterwards. Uh, so not a big surprise, but just a reminder. We just, that man, the whole world is covered in a thin patima of bacteria. So uh, you can't get away from it, uh, but you can try to cut down on it. All right, let's go to uh, Trish, who's been patiently waiting from Brandon. Good morning, Trish. Good morning, Dr. Jimmy. Thanks for calling. I just had one comment about cuts. Yeah. A surgical nurse, her elderly mother had a cut that would not stop bleeding, and Mm -hmm. she told her to get Afrin nose spray and spray on it, and it has to be Afrin, but that stopped it. Yeah, and that's because it uh, it has a substance that causes vasoconstriction. Uh, so Afrin, the way it works in the nose uh, to decrease a lot of the allergic-type symptoms is it constricts those blood vessels down. And the same can, thing can happen from the outside if it gets in direct contact with the cut. Now, if it's a couple hours later, it's not going to happen, but you're exactly right. Uh, you don't want to use Afrin, just a reminder, you know, for long periods of time. And it can raise blood pressure, particularly if you're using it in the nose. But it is great for cuts like that acutely. Like if you know that you're already on blood thinner, for instance, and you've got a cut and it's just not quitting bleeding. You can, and, and this is one time that I would sort of expose those, those blood vessels by wiping it clean or, or applying direct pressure first. And if it's still bleeding, you can try to spray that on there. Uh, but it's the, it's, the, it's the active ingredient in Afrin that's doing that. That's an excellent, excellent thing. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. All right. Yeah, man, we're just sharing all kinds of cool stuff. See, you can be like that. That's a, from a surgical nurse using that. They do use that in the, in the, uh, in the OR, too, or in trauma situations in the, in the ER as well. All right, let's go to Kelly in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Kelly. Hi. Thanks for calling. Uh, <laughs> um, I was just wondering, um, <clears throat> I have asthma, and I take Singular at night, uh-huh. and I usually end up taking my albuterol inhaler every night, even though we're supposed to only use it like three days a week. Right. But they tried putting me on Symbicort, and it just made me feel like sick. Like my lungs just felt like, you know, that sick feeling when you cough and you just feel like you're getting coming down with something? Yeah. It was like I always felt like that after I started taking that. So I stopped taking that, and I'm just wondering if there's like, if they do, if they give you the medicine that doesn't have the steroids, like, can they give you just the one 
The long acting bed Agnes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. The problem with that is there's a, and this is sort of conflicting data on this. So if you the the other thing, it's Simicord is two medications. It's as you mentioned the long acting steroid. So what you're doing is you're getting the steroid down to the lung tissue uh, to decrease some of that inflammation that's associated with asthma. The other thing that it has in it is a long-acting beta agonist. So it's similar to the albuterol that you're taking as your rescue inhaler, um, but it lasts a lot longer. If you take that for long periods of time, what they noticed in some individuals is that they were less responsive to that rescue inhaler. So in other words, you take it, you might get better, but when you have a flare-up and you really need that albuterol to work quickly, it may not work as well because of those receptors have been seeing that that other medication there. Oh, so, man. so it's not as <laughs> common to see somebody prescribed that way. We used to do that all the time. We used to have a long acting beta agonist, uh, and uh, you know that they did. You know, we we thought they did okay until the studies came out, and then they started combining them with the steroids. Now. You might can try another steroid. I mean, there's others out there, and that's that's a safe way to you know to you know to ask your doctor, hey, could I just try a inhaled steroid once a day or twice a day that didn't have the beta agonist in it, just to see? Because a lot of the other ones, some people have different, uh, you know, feel a little bit differently with different ones. So that that would be another thing that you might want to want to investigate. Uh, there are a couple other medications out there. There's actually, if for people who have severe asthma uh, episodes and they qualify, they have uh, some abnormalities in their in their um, IgE concentrations. That's one of the the um, antibodies that uh, that is associated with allergic conditions. Um, then they can get another medication, but. That's sort of the mainstay is what you're on right now. And I'm glad you mentioned Singulair, particularly if you have nighttime symptoms or if you have allergy-related symptoms, that can be useful, and it's a pretty safe medication. But I, I would I would ask your, your doctor about, hey, can, is there anything I can do a little bit differently? Maybe we can just try the inhaled steroid just to see if that makes a difference. So it looks like steroids and long-acting beta drugs are my options. Yeah, and you're already, you know, you're taking the combination right now. You might just want to try the the steroids by themselves instead of the long-acting beta medication. Okay. All right, Kelly. Could you tell me really quick, um, I had heard on Google about Promalin. What is that one? Chromalin is an old medication. It prevents mast cells from degranulating. So mast cells make histamine and other nasty substances that make you have all those allergic-type symptoms. And particularly for those people who have asthma, but they're, uh, um, they're, most of the triggers are related to allergic-type conditions, Chromalin can be useful. It's very safe. Uh, it was one of the medications, one of the first ones used in children. It's, it's usually nebulized. In other words, you put it in a, you know, either in a nebulizer. There are a couple of, uh, of other mechanisms of delivering it to the lungs. Yeah, that's one that you might try, too, that's an older one. But in a lot of people, particularly if you have allergic-type symptoms, works very well. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Kelly. Good luck to you. Thanks for calling. This is uh, Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to Mia from Cleveland, Mississippi. Good morning, Mia. Good morning, Doctor Jimmy. This is a totally different subject. But, sure. Um, 
I have a little boy that turned two in February, and uh, we speak Italian to him as well as English, and oh, we wow. also uh, read a lot of books to him and things, but um, he's just not speaking over, like, three words yet. Um, how worried should I be? Now, when you say not speaking three words, is he is he trying to speak both English and Italian, or are you saying three in either one, right? No, um, the only three <clears throat> words he's speaking right now is daddy and mommy or dada, mama, or baba. Okay, yeah. And that is, that's pretty delayed for that age. So there are a number of things with, we call this a speech delay. Uh, there are another number of things that we would check on. Has, do you know if he's uh, been, che- like his hearing's been checked on a routine screen? Um, I don't think his hearing has been checked, but I haven't had a problem with him listening to me. Or like if I clap, he turns his head. Right. And, and there's some other ways, and that's certainly, that's exactly the same questions in the, you know, that we would ask in the office, to, you know, if you have a loud noise or if you, if they've got their head turned in the opposite direction, you call their name or ask them to do something that they can, uh, they can, um, um, you know, do, uh, that they can, they can turn their head. They appear to, to do that. Is he following directions too? Like if you ask him to yes, do something? Sir. Okay. Uh, he follows directions well. If I say no, he listens. Uh, he he communicates in other ways. Like if he wants a banana, he'll go to the kitchen and grab a banana and bring it to you. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So so there's receptive hearing and language skills, and then there's the ones that they actually can speak. So those are the two aspects of it. Why I was asking those questions. So, uh, you know, at, at two, usually you're able to form two to four word sentences. So three words is is behind. I think he probably needs to be evaluated formally by an audiologist, first of all, to make sure his hearing's okay. Because a lot of times, even if he can hear, he may not hear in the same way. In other words, things may sound muffled, or and that could prevent him from from forming those words properly and, and learning how to speak properly. In a lot of in a lot of uh, instances, it's very it's it's a lot easier to to deal with once you know that. And then also to a speech pathologist. So speech pathologists are trained specifically in the development of speech. They can look at your son and, and, and actually hear what he's saying, see how he's saying those words. And then they can come up with a game plan about what do we need to do to help develop that. So there's a lot of different reasons why kids have speech delay. Um, I don't think you mentioned like dual languages. Now, certainly in a household where you're speaking two languages, there is a little bit of a delay that picks up later. But this sounds a little bit different than that to me. Um, you know, that's it sounds like that if if you're not, you know, if you're that far behind it, too, then probably he needs to be formally evaluated. So you're going to need your your physician um, or nurse practitioner to. Uh, to make a referral to a speech pathologist, but that's that you're going to have one in the area, uh, and I'm not familiar just you know specifically about Cleveland. There, there's probably somebody pretty close to you that you could go to for an evaluation. So he needs a speech um, therapist uh, as well as an auditory evaluation. Yeah, that that would be what I would recommend. Okay, well, thank you so much, Doctor Jim. All right, Mia, thank you. 
All right, got a couple of the callers on the line. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we've got uh, two people who have been patiently waiting for us. Uh, the number to call if you have a question about anything in your health or somebody else's uh, is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this. Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and a lot of good questions this morning. I really want to thank everybody for calling in. Uh, that's what makes this show great is uh, we've got lots of questions and lots of good advice, too, lots of sharing between patients. And, uh, you know, we do that sometimes in the clinic. We have different, uh, particularly with chronic diseases, things like that. It's always good to talk to other people, see what they're doing. Maybe it'll work for you. We can always share that information between us. So thanks for doing that this morning. Uh, you can certainly do that by calling one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Got a caller that's been patiently awaiting from Brookhaven. Good morning. Thank you for calling. Good morning. Did you have a, a question about? I do uh-huh. about peri- per- I don't know how to pronounce it. Really, it's P A R E S T H E S I A. Paresthesias. Yes. Yeah, paresthesias. What can you tell me about that? So paresthesia, you know, don't you just hate it? Uh, doctors, oh, yes. we use we use all kinds of crazy language, don't we? All those yes, crazy words. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I they... I wish I'd never heard of it. <laughs> paresthesias really have to do with the nervous system and the way that your body interprets different, different things. And yes. it can be a lot of different things. Sometimes they're also described as neuropathies because they have to do with the nerves so it is it is a different way that you sense different things so it can be painful it can be numbness um but there's there's all kinds of things is that is that fit with some of the symptoms that you're you've yes okay i had a tia in 2014 Mm -hmm. and i had to have surgery on my left carotid artery Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i've had it ever since then and it's in my left hand, basically. Yeah. It's worse in my left hand, and I can feel it in my left foot some. And it uh, seems like when it happened, they told me not to worry about it, that it, in 18 months I probably wouldn't even know that I had it. But it seems to me it's gotten worse. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just stayed on that left side with your hand and your foot? Yeah. Okay. So far, you know, it, but it, it, it worries me. You know, I worry about it. And I'm wondering if there's anything I can do, any kind of cream I can rub on there to help. 
Yeah. It, it's be, my hands beginning to feel like it's kind of at times it kind of it's drawing. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of I don't know. Yeah, those are probably related to that. If you had a TIA, the part of your brain that controls the left side of your body, particularly the hand and the foot, uh-huh. has probably been affected somewhat. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a and it sounds like if it's been more than eighteen months, that may you know it may not completely resolve. They are all right. Most people <clears throat> that does get better over time, but some of them it doesn't. Th- but, but you you're saying it usually does. Uh, it, it usually can clears get clears up completely, it, like you know. Right, it can get better. What what they try to do? Uh, did you do any kind of physical therapy with that? I didn't. They just told me to squeeze a ball, and yeah. I did some, but I don't. I haven't been doing it recently. That that helps. What that do, you know the brain. People think your brain is just sort of wired. You know, the way it is, and it doesn't ever change. What we know now is it does. It actually can rewire itself. You can recover a lot of function after something like a stroke or a TIA. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, I, it's a special type of, of uh, it's not a physical therapist, but an occupational therapist may be better in your case. And, and that's somebody that is going to, you know, work with you on those tasks, particularly with your hand. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I think the more you move it, particularly when you said it sort of feels like it's drawing up, uh-huh. that'll help prevent some of those symptoms. I do use it all the time. Good. Are yeah. you are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. So you said this was the left side, but it's right? it's in my left hand. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, an occupational therapist may be good to go to and... They may show you some other things that you can do. Okay. As far as anything to put on it, you mentioned like a cream or anything. There's not, because this is a problem in the brain and not necessarily a problem out in the nerves. Yeah. yeah. Then a cream is not going to really do much for you, I don't think. Mm-hmm. There are some medications that you can take for chronic paresthesias or chronic neuropathies like Lyrica or Neurontin. Yeah. It. Honestly, from what I've seen, it doesn't help as much with one that's something that that occurs because of a, either a TIA or or a stroke. Mm-hmm. But it's it's worth a shot. I mean, if it yeah. particularly helps out. Um, but I would say movement as much as you can and uh-huh. and staying active with those two extremities. Um, th- that's going to help probably more than anything else. So yeah. I I would go to an occupational therapist, get them to make you a referral, okay. and uh, and and go from there. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoy your program. Oh, listen, yes, ma'am. I listen to it every Wednesday. Well, thank you, and thank you for calling. Thank you for your information. All right. Bye-bye. All right, let's go to uh, Debbie, who is in Wesson. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. And I apologize. I had company who over-talked your show most of the time. <laughs> That's okay. And the last thing I caught was something about somebody with some kind of bleeding problem. Yeah. I, I mean, the first thing I caught. Yeah. So your call screener said that was someone who had ended up with a razor cut on his face. Yeah. I, sometimes my blood clot's fine. Sometimes I just bleed for hours. Uh-huh. But what I have found that helps me is to use black pepper. Oh, really? I haven't heard of that one. Does it not burn at all? Or No, it does not. It does not burn. It does not sting. What I have been told by other doctors is that black pepper does have antiseptic properties in it. Mm-hmm. Now, mine, sometimes I'm having to use just regular ground pepper and coarse ground pepper 
because I can bleed like four or eight hours. Oh, wow. The yeah. tiniest little thing. They, and other times I clot fine and don't have that problem. Debbie, have they, I'm sure they've checked if you've had problems that long. Have they checked, like, your platelet count and all that kind of good stuff? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I was just there a couple of months ago with a nosebleed. I couldn't get stopped for over four hours. Yeah. So, yeah, they've done all that. It's just my quirkiness, I guess. <laughs> Everybody's different. Uh, but the black pepper, even though sometimes I have to use just the fine, yeah. Sometimes I have to use the fine and coarse ground. It will stop it. Huh. Well, I will I will pass that on then. I have not heard about the black pepper, but that's that's something. See, that's why this is pro, program's great. We can all sort of share those things. Uh yeah, and Debbie does bring up a good point. Like if you're having a lot of problems with bleeding and it particularly if it doesn't stop and if it goes on for hours, even though in Debbie's case, it, it you know they haven't really found anything that could explain that. Do get that checked out because you can develop different things, uh, platelet disorders or even clotting factor disorders. So there are inhibitors uh, or uh, other things that can make you either, uh, you know, everybody thinks about blood clots, and that's the other end of the spectrum if your blood gets too sticky and clots when it shouldn't. But you can have just the opposite thing, too. And sometimes... Excessive bleeding can be sort of a, a symptom, if you want to think of it that way, of something else that's going on. So I always want to get that checked out. Debbie's done that, but uh, some people just bleed a little more, right, Debbie? They do. And, Dr. Jimmy, I found out in my own case that when I'm not eating enough dark, leafy green vegetables, I'm more prone to it. Yeah, you're getting vitamin K with those. So vitamin K is a is a factor. It's a vitamin that uh, obviously that uh, that your clotting factors, particularly uh, a few of them, two, two, five, seven and nine. Uh, those are the ones that that uh, that utilize that. Uh, and if you don't get enough then uh, you certainly, you know, you can be a little deficient in it, and it doesn't, it doesn't clot as well. But that's, yeah, that's exactly what you need to do. Good, healthy diet, lots of greens. That'll and certainly help pepper. you. And black pepper, that's right. <laughs> on it, not necessarily in you. That's right. It's good. I like it Never on stuff. Never your nose if you're having a nose. No, disease. do you not sniff. That is a good, that's good uh, advice for most uh, powdered things, if you get my drift. Nothing powdered uh, or granular up your nose. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Just, you know, I don't even use nasal sprays. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Debbie. Well, thanks for calling. I, I'm sorry that you were interrupted by your company. Too, so hopefully, hopefully I can, I can hear a repeat. Of I'm this glad story. you've got your priorities right, though. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, Debbie, take <laughs> care. Uh, let's go to uh, Willie in Greenwood. Good morning, Willie. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, sure. Thanks for calling. Okay, I'm calling reference to um, uh, cholesterol. Sure. And I'd like to know uh, what type of food, you know, that has most cholesterol in it. Mm-hmm. And the medication they gave me, R-O-S-U-V-A-S-T-A-T-I-N, Roseptin, 10 milligram, told me to take an 8 milligram, I mean 81 milligram of aspirin. Yeah. So, so uh, okay, stepwise. So let's talk about cholesterol and foods. Okay. So uh, there are two big types of cholesterol. When we talk about cholesterol intake, uh, usually that's like animal foods and processed foods. So anything with fat in it, that's going to have some cholesterol. Uh, plants and fruits, they don't really have a whole lot of cholesterol. They have a little bit of plant cholesterol, but not that nasty animal-type cholesterol. It doesn't mean that you have to just cut out all animal meats, but lean meat, particularly if it's chicken or fish, I tell people, hey, if it swims or flies, it's fair game. Uh, the things you want to stay away from is like pork, red meat, 
sausage or processed foods, they have a lot of that fat and cholesterol in there. So that's some general ways you can help on cutting down. However, most people who have high cholesterol problems, and it's not just the total cholesterol, it's the type of cholesterol. So there's different types. Uh, HDL, that's a healthy or good cholesterol. LDL is the main bad cholesterol. I think of it like lousy, LDL, and then healthy HDL. But um, but the, the you know you're sort of born with this with this pre uh, with the predilection for having it you know sort of what your baseline is. Oh. So Willie, what probably happened? You mentioned resuvastatin, which is Crestor. That's the generic for Crestor. Crestor and Lipitor, which is a Torvastatin. Both those are the same class of medications. They're cholesterol medications, but they do even more than that. And the important thing that they help do is they reduce the risk of a heart attack or a stroke. So that's probably the main reason that they put you on that that resuvastatin and told you to take the aspirin because it's going to reduce your risk of having a stroke. Now, a lot of people say, hey, I don't like medication. I want to do the best I can. What they probably did is look at your cholesterol and plugged it into an equation that calculated your total risk of having a heart attack or stroke. And if that risk is high enough, it's about 7.5%. If it's more than that, then you probably need to do something to reduce those other risks. And that can be risk of, you know, can't do anything about age. The older you get, the more likely, you know, your higher risk of stroke or heart attack is. But you can do some things about other things like smoking or diabetes or blood pressure. We can control those other things. But uh, even then, sometimes the risk is high enough that they say, hey, we think that you ought to be on this cholesterol medication. But what they're really trying to treat is to try to reduce your your risk of that heart attack or stroke. Does that make sense? Yes, but they told me that uh, that I just, just, just take these little tabs and come back, and they will give me a test and see how the cholesterol is doing. Right. Because I, I, know I don't hardly eat too much, you know, the, the red meat and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but, but I love cheese, so I need to stay away from the cheese. Man. I wouldn't say do away with all of it, but, I, but yeah, don't be loading up on it. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, that's what I would do. And tell them, yeah, lots of, of anything that's uh, like leafy greens and vegetables, you cannot, you can't go wrong with that unless you got a lot of, of uh, stuff that you cook with with it that's like fat. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay, well, one more question I want to sure. ask. I like to oh, do you have a toll-free number that they have on a toll-free number on the, uh, on the uh, Cholesterol Association uh, something like that, you can call them and they can, they can send you more information. The American Heart Association okay. is probably the best one. Um, I don't have their number right in front of me. Oh, oh I can get it. Yeah. I, if you'll look at that up, like American Heart Association and cholesterol, then they can give you a ton of information. All right. I thank you very, very, very much, Doctor, for taking my call. You have helped me a lot. All right, Willie. Thank you for calling. Great information this morning. Excellent questions. Hey, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we've got a caller that's been waiting. We're going to go to Shelby and Ridgeland uh, right after this break. But if you have any other uh, questions that, that you'd like us to address, still plenty of time to call in. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this.
This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning and talking about all kinds of great stuff. Got time for your questions about anything that you're interested in this morning about your health or the health of someone close to you. You can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you can't get in or maybe you can't call right now, always send us an email. We'd love to uh, to receive your emails. And as I mentioned at the first of the show, we're going to have a couple of uh, shows every once in a while that um, uh, do address those emails in more detail. Um, sort of take a little bit of a break from callers every once in a while to address all of our listeners' uh, questions. So the email address is remedy at mpbonline.com. Dot org. All right, let's go to Shelby, who's been patiently waiting from Ridgeland. Good morning, Shelby. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Uh, my question is, uh, is there a home remedy for gout? Yes, gout, uh, home remedy for gout, really avoiding things that can cause it. So, you know, a, a lot of the the in the products uh, are purines is the, is the substance that can cause uh, gout. Uh, attacks and uh, the more you eat of it, the harder it is for your body to get rid of it, and then it it goes into those tissues and in those joints. So that's really the only thing, Shelby, that's like a over you know a a remedy for it. Um, you know, you you're probably familiar with the medications that have been used to treat that. Allopurinol helps to prevent uh, those uh, attacks, gout attacks. But then um, uh, colchicine or even like uh, indomethacin or ibuprofen, sometimes steroids are used when you have an acute attack. But there's not really anything over the counter that you can take I, that, that will significantly reduce those when you have it. But pre- helping prevent it, I mean, you probably know the foods that if you eat them, you're going to have a gout attack. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it may not be fun, the most fun thing, but I would stay away from those. It's pretty easy to get a list of those. And some of the things you wouldn't normally um, think about, there are some vegetables and, and different things that do have uh, high uh, uric acid, I mean, a high purine contents that can, can make that uh, gout worse. But that would be the biggest thing is just try to avoid those foods. And my last question on the same topic, I'm on a... Uh can't think of the name of it now. Is that First one you mentioned. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Allopurinol. Yep. And then they give me another one in case it flares up. So right. why, do, why do I need to take the Allopurinol if they know it's going to flare up? So the Allopurinol helps to cut down on the production of it. So it's really to prevent it. Uh, and that's something that a lot of people get confused about. That's the exact same question that, that I have. You know, people say, why do I have to take the Allopurinol? Or why do I have to take the other one, you know? So allopurinol is not 100% proof. Like, you can overcome the effects of allopurinol if you eat enough of those foods that have that in it. Um, but the allopurinol can certainly cut down on the amount of, t- of attacks that you have. But you got to take the allopurinol every day. If you skip doses, right. al- you know, the allopurinol is not made to just wait till you have an attack. It doesn't really work that way. The other one, which is probably colchicine that they gave you, 
that's uh-huh. that's the one that you take when you have the attack and you know it it, it can have some side effects diarrhea is the biggest one in abdominal say, it tears my stomach up that's it yeah that's how you know you're taking enough of it um but the allopurinol, if it's not working appropriately, they can actually increase the dose. I'm not sure if you're on the 100 or 200 dose, but they may can, you know, adjust that. Yeah. So they make it go up to 200 depending on what your kidney function is. But, yeah, that's why is because it, it's it's preventing that, uh, that uric acid uh, production. It's inhibiting that. And then the, uh, the colchicine is just when you have the flares. Appreciate your help. All right, Shelby. Good luck to you. That's uh, gout's not anything that is uh, is is nasty. It is just nasty to have. Hey, Rosemary from Mobile. You're on Southern Remedy. Thanks for calling. Yes. How you doing? Good. You got a question for us? Yes. Um, <clears throat> I love fish. I eat a lot of fish. Uh huh. I was on a lot of medicine. The doctor had me on um, four blood pressure pills and. Um, I just stopped taking them. I've been off of them now, all of my medicine for about three years now, and I feel great inside. I've been on a diet, eat my vegetables, and I'm, I love just fish, salmon. I eat it every day. Uh-huh. And then I start taking a fish oil pill, but the fish oil pill start having me kind of itching, so I stopped taking it. So I was wondering about the fish oil pills, how are they how healthy are they if for you, your body? I, honestly, Rosemary, if you're already eating a lot of fish, I just stick with that because that's going to be the easiest thing and the less side effects. So, I, if okay. you're do, if you're doing that, I would just stick with that, and uh, you're going to be getting all the. Sounds like you're getting all the health benefits of that already. I so. am, and I'm loving it. I <clears throat> I just quit cold turkey on my own. Uh, I don't go to a doctor. I keep my blood pressure checked. And I am not on anything. I just take a That's vitamin great. every day and a health skin and nail peel. And I'm 63 years old, and I feel great. That's great. All right, Rosemary, thank you for calling. We're going to try to get one more caller in here. Daryl, we got about 30 seconds. What's going on with you, Daryl? It's about the ear infection. Um, I had an ear infection. I guess it's the ear infection. I have pain in my teeth. Uh huh. And in my ear, and, uh, and then my ear drains a lot of liquid. I was wondering what causing that. Yeah, you can have an ear infection on the inside or the outside of the canal. The best thing is to let a doctor look at that, and then they're going to have to treat it with antibiotics. But what you want to make sure is that it hadn't, like, gone to the uh, to the surrounding tissues. So, uh, you know, that's that's going to be the expert's expertise of a doctor to look at that. They may even want to do some imaging of that ear canal, but it's a little unlikely for adults to get that. So I'd get an expert to take a look at that. So go go get you some good help on that. All right, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank all of our callers for calling in. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. You can join us each day at 11 for Southern Remedy and uh, in particular for on Wednesdays for Southern Remedy. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now on MPB Think Radio. Think Radio.